This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Uh, turn with me to Mark 2 if you got your Bible with you. We're going to go there right now. Mark chapter 2. That's in the New Testament. It's the back third of your Bible. Uh, my name is Matt Leto. I'm going to be bringing the word this morning. It's a huge honor. And can I just say that we are heading into such an exciting season as a church. There's something about fall uh, other than pumpkin spice that just, it, it just raises anticipation and excitement. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It feels like a new beginning in Canada. I, I kind of like jokingly say that January is not when the new year starts, it's September, right? But the cool thing is that in, in just a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating our second anniversary as a church. And, and here's the amazing thing. In that time, we have seen 300 people make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Guys, we have so much to celebrate as a church for the past two years, but here's the other thing. We got so much more to celebrate because I just believe that God is getting started. If you don't know my story, last year, actually it was a pretty much this, this week, no, next week, last year, me and my wife and my son moved here because we get the sense that God is doing something on the East Coast that we wanted to learn from, and then we liked it so much, we just decided to stay. So, uh, yeah. But can I say that God is doing something on the east coast of Canada. God is doing something in this city. And I believe that God is doing something in and through this church that can change the landscape of Canada forever, like never before. So I hope that you're excited. We'd love to see you here for our anniversary service in just a few weeks. Make sure that you make sure, make sure that you make sure, make sure that you get there because it's on a Saturday night. Turn to your neighbor and say Saturday night. So if you show up on Sunday, you're going to be with the Wiggles, and uh, God spare you from that. So, all right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read together. All right, we got a lot of reading this morning. We've got 12 verses to get through. Ooh, here we go. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above uh, Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. So, so just picture right now, someone tears a hole in the ceiling, and a mat just comes down, disorienting to say the least, especially because some scholars think this is Jesus' house. So kind of not good manners to rip up your... The person you're trying to see is Ruth. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want, to, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, everyone, the same crowd that wouldn't let him through, everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I want to title this message this morning, if you're taking notes, Carriers. Just very simply, 
carriers. Would you pray with me this morning as we dig in? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and active and powerful. God, that it takes root in our hearts and it's productive. And Lord, I pray that this morning that's exactly what would happen. I pray that my words would fall to the floor, but that your words would be fruitful in people's lives. And Lord, we pray that as we head into the cold months, you would just bless the Toronto Maple Leafs. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and boo, I got the microphone. <laughs> Do what you want. Have you ever overcomplicated something? You know, I, I mean, like, I'm just one of those people that I, you know, sometimes you're just that kind of person, or sometimes there's your thing that you just overcomplicate things with. Now, for me, personally, it's coffee. If you ever come over to my house and I say, hey, do you want a coffee? Then, then you'll be like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, okay, but what kind? And you're like, I don't know, just coffee. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not a good enough answer. Do you want a siphon? Do you want an AeroPress? Do you want a V60? Do you want a French press? Do you want something espresso-based? Americano, latte, piccolo, cappuccino? What do you want? And they're like, uh, uh, and then they just leave because they don't even know what to do. But I'm the kind of person that when it comes to coffee, I complicate things, all right? I'm one of those people. Or maybe you know that person, and, and we all know this person, okay? So let's not look around too much. But when you're hanging out in a group setting, you're hanging out with some friends, and someone goes, man, I'm so, so hungry. What do you guys want to eat? And the person's like, whatever, just choose whatever. And you're like, okay, like, uh, I was thinking like A&W, and they're like, no. And you're like, okay, what about like uh, Boston Pizza? No. Subway? No. And like, then you just get tired of listing restaurants, so you start going to genres of food. You know what I'm saying? You're like Italian. They're like, no. You're like, Chinese? No. Thai food? No. Uh, seafood? Definitely not, right? And then after 45 minutes where you're like, I'm, I'm starving. Like, can we just pick somewhere to go? The person goes, you know what, let's just go to A&W. And you're like... No! Right? And if you know that person, if you are that person, don't, don't look at the person beside you, but if you are that person and you're sitting there going, is he shaming me right now? Yes! Take this as a wake-up call. You need to live your life differently, all right? Man, so much hunger has happened. You know, you're, you're creating hanger in people's lives, and my wife knows, all right, because she's the one who does it. But I think we can also admit, yeah, she threw me under the bus the last time, so her turn. There's room for more. <laughs> One area that I think that we, we commonly overcomplicate things is relationships. I mean, what a minefield of expectations to try to get through, right? Relationships. Like, everything is so complicated with relationships. And, and so, consequently... We try to play it safe and we just lose our minds, all right? Now, I'm one of those people that I, I don't want to get hurt because who likes getting hurt? So when I started a small group in Toronto when I had come back from college and this girl kept coming to my, to my small group, like she just kept showing up incessantly. And she was an old friend from high school and so like we hung out a little bit and then one night we ended up on an accident. Now, if you're wondering what an accident is, it's where you accidentally go on a date because no one else showed up for my small group. All right. But she came with me and she was like, should we just go get food? And I was like, sure. And as I'm sitting there, I was like, dang, Emily Jancola got hot. Like, she, this is the girl that I want to date. And so consequently, being the confident Bible college student graduate that I was, you would think that I'd be like, hey, I like you. You want to date? But what I instead did was create a nine-month-long strategy to get her to fall in love with me. And th there were multiple steps. Like step one, find a show that we both like, all right? 
Yep. Step two, get in with the family, right? Step three, go on a couple more accidents, not dates, just accidents, right? And I had this whole crazy plan. And then a, this was going really well about a month into my, my excellently laid plan. Um, Em's getting out of the car one night and she turns to me and goes, so do you like me or what? And I was like, uh, yes. And she was like, that's what I thought. And then gets out of the car and I was like, hey, come back. We got to talk, <laughs> right? But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. My overcomplicating things was actually preventing me from exploring the potential of that relationship. And then we got married nine months later, by the way. It was, it was preventing me from exploring the potential of the relationship for no reason. And it was only when M didn't complicate things, when she got straightforward, when she simplified things by clarifying that we were able to move forward in the relationship. Can I just tell you something? That overcomplicating limits productivity. Overcomplicating limits productivity. And we see an example of this in Jesus' time with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you don't know, were these religious leaders who, who loved God and they wanted to keep his law so much that they created laws around laws around laws. And because of that, they were alienating people. They were judging people. They were saying, you're not good enough for God. You're not good enough to come near the temple. You're not, you're not doing enough in your life. They overcomplicated a relationship with God. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, no, do you like me or what? Like, he simplifies things, right? He gets right down to it. He's like, no, no, you've heard it said, and he corrects all of their thinking, constantly challenging the Pharisees' complicated, overcomplicated structures and saying, no, 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 it's more simple than that. God loves everybody. He loves the tax collector. He loves the sinner. He loves everybody. So, so come to me. Jesus is the master of simplifying things. And sometimes we complicate things and it, it ruins our productivity. You know, Jesus is, is really truthfully the best at simplifying things ever. And after three years of ministry, after he has died on the cross and risen again, he sits down, he's, he's talking to his disciples and he's about to ascend into heaven. And they think there's going to be this epic five-hour-long lecture with 19 points and 12 tips for unlocking success, right? And he just goes, and check this out, in Matthew 28, if you want to put that up there. Matthew 28. It's going to come up on this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, all right, so all authority, this is going to be big. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mic drop ascends into heaven. And we're like, well, that was straightforward. <laughs> that was very simple. But then sometimes what we can do is, is we overcomplicate it. Jesus very simply is like, hey, here's what you got to do. Go make disciples. And we're like, okay, great, Jesus. So we got to come up with a nine-point strategy, and we got to have like 15 services. And, we're, and Jesus is like, I didn't say any of that. Wait a minute. Well, no, no, no. Just go make disciples. And if we're not careful, if you're anything like me, we actually create, we overcomplicate reaching people. We overcomplicate reaching the lost. We can get to the kind of place where, where we start, you know, putting expectations on people. We're like, okay, what are, you, what are you looking for in your faith? Are you, like, depressed? Are you financially burdened? In what way can Jesus be your self-help? 
And Jesus is like, well, that's not, you're not trying to find people's need first. Or, or maybe, maybe we're like, okay, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a nine-month-long relationship with this person, my neighbor. And I'm going to invite them over on like an accident at first. And we're like, oh, so funny that I ran into you. It was intentional, right? And then we're like, we're going to find a show we both like, right? And then we're going to get in with the family. And then we're going to keep hanging out with them. And we're like, and only then will I invite them to church once I know it's safe. We overcomplicate things. Can I just say, for those of you in this room that say that you follow Jesus, you're a Christian in this place, you are called, gifted, and anointed to make disciples. If you're a Christian in this room today, you are called personally to make disciples. We thank God for the 300 people that have come to know Jesus in this church. But the truth is that we are called to reach even our own spheres we are called to reach our office. We're called to reach our schools. We're called to reach the places that we work. We're called to reach our unsaved family because we are called to be carriers. We are called to reach people, to make disciples. And so can I just give you a, a little tip, a little strategy? Here, here, here it is, okay? Here's what you need to do to reach people for Jesus. Just get to Jesus. Just get to Jesus. Just get them to Jesus. And you're like, no, 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 that, that's, Matt, that's not, that's not enough. No, it really is. You see, because if we can just get people to Jesus, Jesus takes care of the rest. The reality is that there are people in our city and in our schools and in our places of work and in our places of influence that are dying and hurting and broken, that are captive, that are feeling like they don't have any hope or any solution. And we have the hope of the world. And all we need to do is go, here he is. He's Jesus. And when they encounter Jesus, we believe that they're going to see him for the first time and they're going to go, that is what I need. They're not coming in looking for self-help. They're looking for the only way that they can live, which is Jesus. Let's uncomplicate things, church. Let's just get people to Jesus. And when we look at this story that we read this morning in Mark 2, the paralyzed man, this is what we see. We see that these friends' main concern was just getting their friend to Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, I like kind of picturing the way that this story would go. So imagine, all right, because we have sometimes a hard time removing ourselves from our context. Imagine with me that it's a, it's a hot Middle Eastern day. The, the, the road is dusty. And you're just walking home, and all of a sudden, you see this giant crowd outside of the house. And you're like, hey, oh, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, you haven't heard Jesus is in town. And you've heard of Jesus before. You're like, wait a minute. Hold up, hold up. You mean Jesus that like heals people? Yeah, that one. You mean the one that we think might be, yeah, the Messiah, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, oh, and then all of a sudden in your mind you go, what about Carl? Now, if you're wondering who Carl is, I just call the paralytic friend Carl, all right? So bear with me. The, the man who is paralyzed, we're gonna call Carl for the sake of this story. And you're sitting there and you're like, man, I gotta get Carl to Jesus, and so this friend runs down the road and he's running to the house and he's thinking, if, if I can just get Carl to Jesus, maybe he'll walk. If I can just get Carl to Jesus, maybe he'll be healed. And as you're running down the road, you see your friend. They're like, hey man, where are you going? You're like, Jesus is here. And they're like, G you mean the, G yeah, the healing Jesus. Come with me, man. We're going to get Carl. Carl, that's such a good idea. And so now you've got a friend with you. And these friends are running. They get back to Carl. By the time they get to Carl's house, 
They got four people, and they pick Carl up, and they're like, Carl, we're going to go see Jesus. Now, notice that it doesn't say anything about Carl, right? Notice that Carl could have been going, hey, put me down, put me down. And they're like, sorry, Carl, buddy, we're taking you to Jesus, right? But he could be like, I don't want to go, all right? I was watching Netflix, like, leave me alone. And when they get up to the house, they're like, okay, all right, man, there's a bit, bit of bigger crowd than when I was here earlier. <laughs> there's a lot of people. Hey, excuse me, do you, do you mind if we get our friend Carl through here? And people just turn and go. And they're like, oh, maybe you didn't see the man lying on the mat here. We just want to get to Jesus, and people won't let them through. And so they try to get through the crowd, but there's just no way that they can get into this house. Now imagine what it would look like if the Bible read like this. So they gave up and went home. I mean, we probably wouldn't even read the story. In fact, there were probably stories like that that we never hear about. But the reason we heard about this story is because they didn't give up. It's not like these friends turned to Carl and went, sorry, buddy, I guess you're going to stay paralyzed. No, no, they were like, you know what? You think we can get up on that roof how tall do you think that is, 12 feet? Mm. 10, right? Because guys do that. <laughs> like, whatever. I need to put in my opinion. They're like, hey, you got a ladder? No, I don't have a ladder. But you know who has a ladder? My uncle. Go get that ladder. Okay, and once we get up there, what are we going to do? I don't know, but we're going to do it. And once we get up there, we're going to figure it out. Hey, maybe we might need tools. Okay, go get your tools. And you're like, okay, great, great, great. Uh, and then once we get him up there, what are we going to do? We're not just going to drop him in, are we? And you're like, no, no, of course not. I'm going to go get some rope. And so these friends all go and they, they get the things that they need. They come back to the house, they put the ladder up, they get Carl up on the roof and they start digging. They start ripping through this roof. And once they get through, they look down, they see Jesus and they're like, all right, here we go, now or nothing. And they start lowering Carl down in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks, and look at what it says, when he saw their faith. For all we know, Carl's going, I'm so sorry, man, I didn't even want to be here. I know this is your roof, or at least your relatives. I, like, I feel awful. I also have no money, so I'm, it's, it's not going to get fixed. Right? But Jesus, is, is, he looks at the, his friend's faith. And he says, your, your sins are forgiven. Look, they came to Jesus looking for a miracle, and he actually gives salvation. And sometimes people come into this place and they're looking for something. They're looking for a little bit of self-help. They're looking for a little bit of freedom. They're looking for that little bit of skipping their step. But when they encounter Jesus, they get so much more than they were bargaining for. They encounter salvation. And I think that there are three things that we can really learn from these friends. Three things that I think we can all apply in our lives. Because church, here's what I'm saying today. You and I are called to be carriers like these friends. We are called to bear people up in our city on our shoulders and carry them. We are called to carry people to Jesus because there's no other way that they're getting there. So the first thing is this. If you're taking notes this morning, the first point, if I can find in my notes, is this. Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. See, the thing is that all alone, one of these friends wouldn't be able to get Carl there. Maybe with two of them, they could do it, but it'd be a lot harder. We're talking hot Middle Eastern day. But with four of them, they're able to carry the load. With four of them, they're able to find a way up onto the roof. With four of them, they're able to take turns digging through. You know that you and I are called to carry people together? 
And that's why when we come into this place and we set up the pipe and drape in the lobby and we set up the flags and we do all the stuff that we do to make this an excellent environment, we're not doing it because we're like, look how great we are at setting up pipe and drape, even though we are excellent. Thank you very much. We do it because we want people to encounter Jesus. All of the lights, all of the band, all of the production, the person standing up here yelling into a microphone, this is all so that people can encounter Jesus. But it takes teamwork. It means that we all have a part to play, and I go, hey, I'm going to get this corner, you get that corner, you get that corner, and we're going to carry people together. And that's just in church. What about in your neighborhood? How could you be carrying people together in your neighborhood? Imagine what it would look like if the church went, hey, I got this neighbor, and they, they just lost their spouse. Can you bake them a meal? Can you make them a meal, and we're just going to bring it over to the house. We're just going to bless them. What would it look like if we started carrying the burden of our neighborhoods? If we started carrying the burden of our schools? What would happen if we started carrying people together? Where we go, hey, I'm terrible at cooking, but could you cook this person a meal? Hey, I'm terrible at making coffee, but I hear Matt is, actually don't get Matt, he's annoying. <laughs> don't get him. But what if we could, we could actually go, you know what? My neighbor is really into basketball. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna hook him up with Alex Steven because he played college basketball. And they'll have something to talk about. Like, what if we actually carried people together? Not needing to do it all on our own, because that's, a, that's intimidating. But what if we work together as a team? We need to be carriers that bring people to Jesus. And we need to do it together. The second thing that I see, if you're taking notes, so the first one is teamwork makes the dream work. The second thing is this, overcome for others. Overcome for others. You're not doing this for you. What did these friends get out of this other than seeing their friend healed? Right? They come up to the crowd and they could have called it a day. Carl, look, we tried, man. We carried you like four miles, all right? So we put in our part, we did our effort, but that's enough, right? Or, or what would happen if they got up on the roof and went, there's no way that we can dig through? You know what? We don't want to ruin this guy's property, so sorry, dude. You're, you're just going to have to stay the way that you are. No, that, that's, that's not what happened. They overcame the obstacles so that they could get Carl to Jesus. Church, sometimes we allow obstacles to get in our way. If you're anything like me, you invite someone to church, you're like working, and we, it's kind of funny how we do it, right? It's almost like we're like working ourselves up. We're like psyching ourselves up. We're like, here we go. Okay, hey, what's up, man? And you're like, are you sweating? Yeah, it's fine. Um, hey, you want to um, maybe uh, like, you know, if you want to come to church sometime? And you're like, uh, you know what? I'm not really about church. Cool, that's totally fine, man. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Friendship over. No. <laughs> but sometimes it's like we think that might happen. And that's why sometimes when someone says no, we're like, okay, I will never ask you again. And you're like, hey, why don't you invite your friend to church? Oh, I asked them six years ago, and they said no. So, you know, I've done my part. I carried them that far, but no further. Sometimes we've got to push past the crowd. And the reality is that people have a crowd in their life, whether it be preconceived notions of church, whether it be something that they've been told, whether it be a bad experience, and we need to either push through that crowd or go over it. We can't give up church. Why? Because people are dying and they need Jesus. Have you ever seen a dead person? What do they do? Nothing. They don't do anything. 
And the reality is that we have neighbors, we have coworkers, we have people in our city that are spiritually dead. And when we ask them to do something spiritual like come to church and they say no, we're surprised. But if a dead person is lying there and you go, hey, get up and come to church. No, I tried, man. You'd be like, well, of course they can't. They're dead. They need someone to carry them. And how do we carry people? We carry them in prayer. We carry them in relationship. We carry them by going through the awkwardness of saying, hey, you want to come to church with me? And if the moment's not right, we don't go, okay, I'll never ask again. I'm so sorry. As if we've like, you know, shot their dog or something. Like, church, we haven't hurt their feelings by inviting them to something that is life-giving and giving us life. I mean, how many times did you get told you need to go see Black Panther? A million! And did it really contribute to your life? No! But when something impacts you, you want to bring people. And so we invite people to church. We carry people. We push through. We pray. And here's the great thing. We're doing it as a team. Which means that you can actually go to your small group. You can go to your Nova group and you can say, hey, I got this friend at work and I'm really praying that they'll come to church. I'm really praying for God moments that we can have conversation. I'm really praying. Would you pray with me? Do you know that when we get together and we stand in agreement, it is powerful? That the prayer of a righteous person avails much? So when we come together in community and we say yes and amen, I am praying for your friend, we believe it's going to change things. How do you think 300 people got to church and accepted Jesus this year? It was because they got carried. It's not just dumb luck. It's not because of great branding, although that doesn't hurt. But it's not what does it. It's an encounter with Jesus that changes things. We need to be overcomers for others. We need to overcome for others, church. And this is the third thing, if you're taking notes. God blesses our hands. God blesses our hands, your hands. And what do I mean by that? Do I literally mean that your hands are blessed? (laughs) Yes, I do, but (laughs) more so. What I mean is that whenever something goes in your hand, it carries the blessing that God has on them. There's this cat named Moses in the Old Testament sets goes, and, goes into Egypt and sets the Israelites free, becomes the leader of a nation. And when he has this encounter with God, a burning bush moment, God says, throw your stick on the ground, and it turns into a snake, and he goes, great, now take that stick with you. What a weird thing, right? It's a stick. Is it a magical stick? No, it's just a stick. But when it's in his hand... God moves on it. So what's in your hand? These friends have a stretcher in their hand or a mat in their hand, and they carry their friend to Jesus' house. And when they still can't get in, they go get a ladder, or they go get tools, or they go get a rope. What is it that God has put in your hand that he wants to use to impact people? Maybe you're a musician, and you've been sitting there in church going, I'm just waiting for someone to ask me. I play piano, but nobody even asks me. Well, how would we know? Unless you're bringing a piano to church and playing in the lobby. And if you're doing that, stop. That's weird. Go to next steps, right? But what's your thing? Maybe you have the best smile in the world. Maybe you're the most inviting person that could possibly be. Maybe when people walk into a room, you're the one that they see as a leader. You're the one that leads conversation. That is a gift from God. And he wants to bless it. He wants to use it for his kingdom. He wants to use it to reach people. Church, what is in your hand? 
And another question would be, who is in your hand? Who is it that God has actually put into your life? You know, sometimes, <laughs> maybe you have that person in your life that you're like, I could probably do without them. Is that, is that too human this morning? No one wants to admit to it. No one even laughed. They're like, no, that's not me. I don't have anyone in my life that's annoying. Not at all. That's fine. I'll just talk about myself for a second. But what if God put that person in your hand for a reason? What if the person that sits beside you in class, what if the person that sits beside you at work is not there by accident? What if God actually put them in your hand? What if they're an assignment from God for you? Because you are called, gifted, and anointed to reach them. What if you're the one who's called to carry them? Church, who is in your hand this morning? Who is in your hand this morning? Is it maybe a family member who you've had a hard time with? Is it maybe a friend that you've fallen out with? Is it maybe a coworker that maybe you don't even get along with? Is it that person that talks behind your back, but for some reason they just keep being in your life? I don't believe in those kind of accidents. I actually believe that God has divinely appointed people to be in your life for you to reach. So let's reach them, church. And the last thing that I think God really puts in our hand is, is us. Well, that's a weird way to put it. But God gave you a body. God gave you feet. God gave you hands. And what that means is that we actually have a responsibility to use our body for God. You see, sometimes we get to the point where we're trying to carry people to Jesus and they just won't go. You know, there are plenty of stories in the Bible where Jesus, uh, that people don't bring people to Jesus, Jesus goes to them. But if we're a Christian in this place, if we believe that Jesus is living within us and we have Christ in our heart, that actually means that you're a carrier of Christ. You see, we need to be carriers of people to Jesus, but we also need to be carriers of Jesus to people. We need to be carriers of Jesus to people. Wherever we go, wherever we put our feet, we need to believe that Christ is with us, that he's with us in the fire, that he's with us in the office, that he's with us in our school, that he's with us in our family Thanksgiving that we really want to go to. That he's with us. And that his presence is going with us so that people can encounter him through us. Church, I believe with all my heart that the best for this church is yet to come. I believe that we are not done seeing first-time salvations or people who are recommitting their life to Christ. I believe that we're going to see more than we've ever seen this year. But can I just encourage you to not sit back and go, 300, great, I'm part of something good. But to ask yourself the question, who's in my hand? What's in my hand? How do I overcome for others? How do I push through to bless the people in my world? And how do I work as a team in community to reach people around me? Church, I believe that if we all reached people, if we really took this seriously, if we stopped overcomplicating it by thinking that we need a degree in apologetics in order to talk to someone, 
And we just said, I just need to get them to Jesus. That it would change our city forever. That it would change our workplaces forever. That it would change wherever you go forever. Do you believe it this morning? Well, if you're in this place and and maybe you've been sitting there throughout this message and you're like, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. So I don't even really know what you're talking about. But during worship this morning, you sense something. Dare I say you felt something. And you're like, there's, there's something here. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the encounter. Where you came into this place and you were meeting with Jesus. You're meeting with the presence of God. Maybe you felt peace for the first time. Maybe you just felt like you were, you were safe for the first time in a long time. And you came into here and you're like, well, I don't know what that is. I'm telling you, it's the presence of God. The reason that you're here today, if you don't know Jesus, is because somebody carried you. Maybe you have a friend who's been praying for you. Maybe you have a friend who invited you to church. Maybe you saw an ad or you found us on Instagram. Somehow you found this church, but I don't believe that that's by accident. I believe that you have been getting carried. And now you are sitting here in front of Jesus and he has an invitation for you. He wants you to know that all that you've done, you don't need to be perfect to come before him. You just need to come before him. And so if you're in this place this morning, if I could get every head bowed and every eye closed just for the sake of privacy, nothing weird going on. If you're in this place this morning and you're not a Christian, but you want to encounter Jesus, maybe you've been feeling like you need purpose and, and you've been lacking it in your life. Maybe you feel like their sin has just caught up with you and you feel exhausted. Maybe you just feel like you're missing something and you think you may have found it here. Jesus' invitation to you this morning is to follow him, to call him the Lord of your life, to live the way that he's calling you to live. He has this way of living that actually gives you abundant life, life that is better than any other kind of life. It's the kind of life you don't get tired of. It's the kind of life that you don't get you know, bored with. It is life in Jesus. And so if you're in this place and you want to you step into that this morning, you want to become a Christian, if I could just get you with every head bowed and every eye closed to just raise your hand on the count of three, just so I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Yeah, I see that hand. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Anyone else this morning, you want to become a Christian. You want to stop living your own way. You want to start living for Jesus. You want to accept this encounter that you're having. Yeah, see that hand. You can put it down. Can I just get everybody to pray this prayer with me? The band included, Christians included, just, just to make everyone feel comfy. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for encounter. I thank you for forgiveness. I ask that you would forgive me for my sin, that you would show me a new way to live. I thank you that you have been pursuing me and that you have been carrying me. And now I ask that you would change me. Help me live for you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for these people this morning?